0: Hello and welcome to the EDH RETCAST. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he just took the initiative and became the monarch, it's Matt Morgan.
1: So this recent spring weather has been kind of super crazy. I decided that the only thing worse than when it's raining cats and dogs is hailing taxis.
0: Ooh, ooh, that was ooh. that was really, really clever. I like that one a
1: lot. Matt. I mean, I hopefully just doesn't get to raining meatballs because that's just
0: cataclysmic. Fair, fair enough. Although, you know, who would enjoy it raining cats and dogs would probably be like Ginny Fay or any of the Cabaretty Commanders. Am I taking this uh, too literally?
1: Probably, but they also do make it rain literal cats and dogs in it's the terrible. game, so it makes
0: sense. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Up next, he's considering making a rule zero commander deck with the draft chaff commanders of Prismatic Piper and Faceless One paired
2: together. It's Dana Roach. Did you hear the uh, rumor about butter? No. I- I'm not going to go spreading it.
1: I can't believe that joke isn't butter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Much like butter, I'm on a roll. I I need I need a moment. I need a moment. <laughs> I am slain. That was, that was that was brilliant and perfect. And I adore you guys. Oh, the, I mean
1: the, these. I can't believe it's not butter and all that stuff. But we do need to trim the fat a little bit from this. Interview.
0: Just a ton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, do you mind telling us what it is that we're talking about in this week's episode? We're going to talk about what we want from a game of EDH. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. It seems like such an obvious thing, but it's kind of nice to actually like come out and say it. Like, hey, when we play EDH, these are the experiences that we're hoping to cultivate, hoping to share with other people. And it'll just be nice to kind of live in that vibe for this episode. Real quick, before we get to our main topic, we want to pause and thank Chase, aka Manicurves, for helping us with the post-production of the show. And of course, we have to thank our sponsors for the EDH RecCast as well.
2: The EDH RecCast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Buying from them is like going to a command fast without leaving your house. (laughs) Just go to EDH rec and pick the card in question and select a vendor link down below. Doing so supports both the site and the show.
1: And if you would prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash retcast, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. Whether you want to join the Discord community, you want to see challenges, stats that we've made over the course of the show, or you want to see all the episodes a day early, we have all that and more over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. And there's even that awesome tier where you get one of the shoutouts that we do every single week. And that's just for signing up, just for supporting the show. So this week, we do want to give a very special shout out to Micah Alford. Thank you so much, Micah, for your support. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, It's just great to have you on board. And so I hope you enjoy hearing your name on the show because it's still weird to me that I get to hear my name on the show sometimes.
0: (laughs) You know what, Matt? Matt? Same. And you know what's especially weird is that I hear all of these dad jokes on the show, too. No, who am I kidding? That's not weird at all. I love it. You're you're also never going to get used
1: to them because uh, dad jokes, they just keep evolving. They, they, they don't become old, they just become grand.
0: We're nice. just going to move into our topic now, or at least we're going to try. So we are talking. We are talking about what we want out of a game of Commander. And you know what, Dana, I'm just going to hand the topic right back to you because I'm still going to need a moment to compute everything that Matt's (laughs) up to you today. Punishing me for the jokes. Pun-ishing indeed. So Dana, let's throw the topic to you. What do you want out of a game of EDH? Describe it very succinctly. I'm sure this uh, is a very small thing. There's only, like, can't be too much that you want out of a game of Commander. No, right, right,
2: not at all. (laughs) Um, You know, so so before I get into that, actually, I'm going to maybe throw this caveat out there and, and say that, like, just because we are looking for a specific thing in our games doesn't mean you are wrong for wanting a different experience or like we don't like the thing that you happen to like. I mean, like if if I like pepperoni on my pizza and I want to talk about pepperoni pizza, that that isn't a value judgment about you who likes pineapple on your pizza. Oh, no, we're. we're going to I mean, okay, diss pine- the people okay.
1: who like pineapple. But yeah, Yes, that's- okay,
2: fair. That, that's definitely for serial killers. But like something else, <laughs> like, like let's say sausage. If you're into sausage on your pizza, I, I'm not judging you for that. It's just not what I want when I'm placing my order.
0: Uh, so so, uh, so listeners, I have discovered that these guys think that I am a serial killer because <laughs> I do enjoy pineapple on pizza because I like food.
2: Speaking, statistically speaking, Joe, your pizza order says you are. Um, <laughs> But, but mo- moving on from what Joey may or may not be doing on um, the dead of night. Um, so, so to actually answer your question after that long bit of rambling, yeah. um, I, I want to be surprised. Like, like that's m- maybe the, the, the main thing. Um, I want you to show me something that I'm kind of not ready for. Okay. Th- that to me is, is maybe the main thing. Um, I, I want to see from someone's deck and I want to see from that game as I want them to kind of surprise me or, or, or wow me or something to do something I'm not set for and catch me off guard. That is per- perhaps my favorite experience in Commander is when like something comes completely out of left field and catches me off guard. Those make for, for great moments and, and that's the kind of thing that always really like makes me excited about a game. I love that. That's really nice. I-
1: yeah, I, I love that point, Dana. It's kind of along the lines of something that I, I had down in, in my notes for this is I want to see you. I want to see the player expressed yeah. in the deck. Not not so much what... And it, it's 2022. Like, information flows freely through the internet, and EDHREC helps with that. But also, I want to see the expressions of Dana and Joey and Matt and Ringo in their, in their decks. I want to see what people come up with that makes it their deck, not EDH Rex deck or or, or somebody else next to them. I want to like I. That's what I love the most. And, you know, Sheldon and the rules committee always talk about the spirit of the format and self expression and playing what you want to because you can play literally this expansive card pool of however many tens of thousands of cards. I want people to be able to express themselves through that and and see things that you haven't maybe seen in years or something that you you might have dismissed before. I I agree, Dana, that seeing things that you you don't get to see is one of the things that I think makes Commander games so special.
2: Well, it's really the one format where you can treat your deck as a creative expression and still have it be effective. Mm. I mean, yes, you could build a creative modern deck, but like, that's probably not going to end well for, for you showing up at f with your modern deck that you tried to build something that was a creative <laughs> expression that usually goes badly. In Commander, it's the format where you can actually do that, and have the deck still win games. I think that is really kind of a, an amazing thing, and it is at the end of the day maybe the the thing that I love most about the format is that ability to treat it as a creative expression and still have it be effective. That um, yeah. is is really kind of beautiful. I think.
0: I i I've, i have a couple of like personal examples of stuff that i've like experienced from that from each of you actually like dana for example you have your Vela the nightclad deck which gives all of your stuff intimidate and normally what i've seen with that type of deck is like a whole bunch of sneaky kind of stuff going on with it or stuff that capitalizes on her leaves the battlefield effect which makes a bunch of people lose life when your stuff leaves the battlefield but you were just like what if i built an artifact deck out of this because i will give all of my stuff intimidate which means that my creatures are colorless and so the Intimidate basically makes them almost completely impossible to block. And like, oh, I am surprised by this interaction. I am delighted to be surprised by this interaction. Or Matt, here's a recent example for a deck that you'll have just built, that new Raga Draga, Gorgut's Boss, yeah. which you can't help but pronounce in like to the tune of a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> like that's the one that pumps up any creatures that have a mana ability. And so most of the thing that you know will come to my mind when I hear, oh, pump up mana abilities, cool. Lanawar Elves, Elvish Mystic, all of these mana dorks. but you sir introduced both of us to the fact that eldrazi scion and eldrazi spawn tokens which can sacrifice for mana, that counts as a mana ability. So you're trying to construct this deck that has a bunch of, like, Eldrazi spawn creation because you'll give a bunch of pump to those things. That is a total surprise to me, and I am so happy to see that. That makes me feel joy with you with the expression in your deck. So, like, those are some examples that come to my mind, and you're right. I am so happy when I get to see those things.
1: Yeah, it, well, it's the my probably favorite thing to see is when I sit down with somebody And they make some commander work that a lot of people otherwise disregard. Like, Mm. okay, cool, you made this Tetsamok Primal Death actually kind of a cool deck that works on a decent basis. I mean, the abilities on that card make it extremely hard to function out of the command zone. Mm. But if you made that work, I want to see that deck. I want to play against that deck. It's just so cool seeing all these ways that people... Are willing to jump through hoops and make sure that it's something that's going to be somewhat functional at least like that's that's <laughs> so much fun to see and and see how people like how proud some folks get even that's one of the great things is you remember the off the wall decks I I've played thousands of commander games in my life. And the ones that stand out are the goofy ones, the ones that do something that we didn't really expect.
0: Yes, this isn't this is a thing that I put into my notes as well. A thing that I want from a Game of Commander is a certain degree, maybe even a high degree of the goofiness. Show me something that's a little bit weird off the wall, a little bit like I'm... I, I can't put that memory away. That was like, wait, what just happened? Um, And there are a couple of other examples in the community that really delight me uh, for that too. Like Tomer from MTG Goldfish has a tribal tribal deck, which makes amazing use of all of these changelings that have every creature type. And there are a bunch of really cool tricks that Tomer is able to pull off. Or here's a really good example. Olivia Gobert-Hicks has an Atraxa Enchantress deck. And the point of this Enchantress deck is for her to use all of her Enchantresses to draw her entire deck as fast as possible, not with a Laboratory Mania, win condition literally the point of the deck is i'm going to draw my entire deck and lose as quickly as possible and see if you can stop me i dare you like who else who else could do that like that is exactly exactly capturing the personality that you described and it's also pulling off something goofy that i'm not i've not seen anyone else do and it's a delight to witness it unfold
1: well, and and I had t- kind of my goals from a commander game in two different categories. One is for the in-game interactions, and the other is for the after the game interactions. And I'm going to pull from a quote that we mentioned several episodes back at this point, but we once said, "Build decks that you want to lose to, like the types <laughs> of decks that they're they're doing something fun, but they're not raining on other people's fun." I mean, and that's just me. Again, to Dana's point, this is what us as individuals like if you like the games that you know you play stacks go on and, and do that but for me like i personally enjoy seeing those decks like olivia's attracts a enchantress deck where it's well and granted you never really lose quote unquote i i say lose very loosely <laughs> when when you lose to that deck but the decks that you want to beat you build those types of decks. Those are the decks that I personally have had more fun playing and playing against than any other power level out there, I would say.
2: I do think that that's actually kind of an interesting point talking about, because for examples here, we've used a lot of ones from from other content creators. and, And I do think that is one thing that content creators are maybe conscious of because they want to make decks that, that are entertaining on camera, hmm. I would say content creators on average tend to be a little more aware of making sure they're not like monopolizing time or, or inadvertently hard locking out people or, or whatever because they want the experience as a, for, for viewers to be interesting. Hmm. And I do think that tends to translate to also an interesting game. More often than not, because everyone gets their chance to kind of do their thing. And that—that um, that is one thing I, I do think is a really good point. And I do think in general, content creators are aware of that just because they have to be in terms of like making good games for camera.
0: That's a fair point, but I will call back to some of the experiences that we all just had in the Command Fest in Richmond, and there were a lot of games there that made an impact on me precisely because of the goofiness where, like, someone cloned a stuffy doll for each player at the table and then cast a bunch of earthquake spells, so then everyone got voodoo dolled to death and and things like that. Or a profane transfusion that swapped someone's three life for 53 life. Uh, Like, those moments also stick out to me, and I feel like when making content creation, making sure that you sculpt something towards the entertaining side is certainly a factor. But also in games that I've played with listeners, I've gotten the entertainment from them myself too, and that is a thing that also delights me. I also feel like it is not a unique thing to anyone. It might be something that some folks are more uh, conscious of because they have to be. But I'm just delighted whenever and wherever I see it. Is maybe what I'm
2: trying to say. Sure, absolutely. Well. Because it goes the other way as well. There are things that you as a content creator might not put in your decks because you're playing on camera again. And those some of those things are difficult to do on camera. Sure. Whereas... If you ha- if you have the freedom of not worrying about that, that does open up things like giving everyone copies of stuffy dollar or whatever <laughs> that wouldn't perhaps work on camera. But like when you are playing in person, that is something you can do in a way there that you can't necessarily when you're streaming on spell table.
1: I think I would differentiate kind of like what Joey said between content creators and then decks optimized for spell table games, which I think are extremely different things for sure, because uh, I played against like like Joey did some very interesting decks, some, some cool decks that took. Kind of something that maybe wouldn't have been super fun to play against and was adjusted to be something that's more fixed to be a more enjoyable experience. Dana, you were in a game when we were in Richmond, actually, uh, the Vadric Astral Archmage deck that we played against. That deck was kind of a fixed Mizzix deck where you get all those experience (laughs) counters and it gets kind of hard to interact with, whereas okay, Vadric is a more happy medium for my opponents to interact with. I totally agree. And that deck was fun. That, that, that was a great way to kind of find ways to make a deck that typically wouldn't have been very interesting and then tweaked it, tweaked the commander a little bit and then made it a much more fun experience to play with. So I I, I would push back along with Joy that I, I don't think you have to be a content creator by any means because I, I've seen tons of fun decks that I, I've enjoyed playing without, in, you know, playing with strangers.
0: For sure. And, you know, there are some examples of my own decks that I feel like I would be going a certain direction with them, regardless of whether or not we were making this podcast or making videos or whatever like that. Like, this is a thing that I've noticed as a ongoing trend over my entire commander career is kind of me going from... A bit of a spiky player to much more of a timmy player and for example removing a bunch of tutors from my deck uh my decks plural actually like i used to have as many of those cool tutors that i could get in my mimiplasm deck or into my yannette deck and i've removed and removed and removed them and this is again embracing that goofiness thing that i want i don't just want to see it from other folks i also want to see it from my own decks too because when i attack with yannette and she flips the top card of my library and will i be able to cast it or did i just hit a land well when i use a tutor. I definitely know that I'm going to get a very big mana spell off the top of my deck but there's no tension in that and that is the thing for me I like the tension I like being able to potentially embrace the possibilities the, the the randomness like it just isn't as much fun when I use a mystical tutor to set it up but it is a whole lot of fun when I flip a nine drop that I didn't know was going to be there I don't get to have goofy moments unless I allow myself to take the scenic route
2: you know yeah taking the scenic route is a great way to phrase that I, I like that a lot um, in a similar vein, Joey, um, I'll admit there's some ego involved in that too. Um, <laughs> for, for, for you know, at least speaking for myself, because when you are setting up something, um, you know, hey, my, my, I'm using this mystical tutor to put something on on the top that is that is guaranteed to do this thing. To me, that that doesn't feel like. I caused that to happen. I felt like I, I, I designed my deck in this way that is going to guarantee that result occurs. And I like to feel like my own intervention is why that happened. Like my own cleverness in terms of brewing or or whatever, <laughs> I, or, or my play or whatever. I, I like to at least convince myself that I'm the reason the good thing happened. I, and I think at least for me, it's tougher to do that with with – that many tutors and that many things in the deck like it it, and that might all be entirely false but but at at the very least it, it gives me the feeling that like my intervention is the reason the good thing happened versus the cards being the reason the thing the good thing
0: happened. That's the thing right there. Did you win the game, or did your cards win the game? Right. That is a thing that walking away from a game and you'll have a feeling of accomplishment that feels a bit more um, earned or deserved, or you you feel like cleverer in the way that you accomplished it, or, or something like that. Like I definitely get that feeling, and it kind of ropes into another thing that I also seek out in commander games too. And this is that I like when wins are thematic and or inevitable to the deck that they are in like everyone here is probably lost to an exsanguinate at some point because it drains a bunch of life from everybody and then the person with the exsanguinate gains all of the life like they just drain a whole bunch from everyone and like exsanguinate could be a win condition that goes into just any old deck and losing to an exsanguinate in just any old deck feels fine to me i'm not like mad about it but i am kind of like oh sure okay really powerful card that was a a big late game play sure that absolutely works but that is a different feeling to me than when the life gain player plays in exsanguinate because then it's a life gain card and it feels thematically resonant to that player's deck for example i think this might even be one of the reasons why folks uh i see a lot of uh, discourse online for example about stuff like crater behemoth or triumph of the hordes because i think it's potentially the case that those may not feel as specific to that deck it doesn't feel like that was a unique win to that type of deck but it feels like an end game that could have happened kind of anywhere and so that might be way that might be why the those wind conditions earn a little bit more salt than some others does that make sense to you guys yeah
2: absolutely like like every black deck is probably better off with like sanguinate or with the torment of hellfire. <laughs> every green deck is probably better off with a with a great roof behemoth like you're I, I i say statistically speaking that's probably definitely true um but again, at least for me, they don't give me that feeling like I'm the reason that, <laughs> that that deck won. It just feels like, oh, I top decked a Torment of Hellfire and now I'm going to win. Sure. Um, and again, there's there's definitely maybe some self-deception in some of that for sure. Um, <laughs> but self-deception or not, like that's how it feels, right? Like it, it d- does leave me walking away from the game feeling like. It, it, it was more of an earned victory for me, and it's a more satisfying experience, and I guess at the end of the day, that's what matters, that I enjoyed what I was doing because I I played worse cards, maybe, I guess. I don't know how you phrase that, but, like, like I mean, to a degree, that is true.
1: I mean, I think a good way to, to frame this, too, is making sure that everybody was satisfied with the cards they were able to play, I guess, hey. because we're, we're talking about... Not trying to to discredit winning a certain way, but the ways that you want to win, Dana, or you want to win, Joey, or or me. like All three of us have very different approaches to what we like to do with our decks. And I know each of us have, have won with a card that maybe the other two of us have been like, eh. But also, we're not mad that, you know, Joey got to win with the Rise of the Dark Realms because that's what Joey likes to do. And so if those cards, I guess, those decks that you win with are with Exsanguinates or Crater of Behemoths, like, I love a good Crater of Behemoth. I am guilty as charged. <laughs> but I know that that's not maybe not everybody's favorite flavor. So being able to kind of do the things that you enjoy doing in the game. I don't, I, it's, it's really hard for me to call that bad necessarily. <laughs> I guess maybe if making sure everybody feels like they aren't like an active participant in the game. There. I think that's a, a better way to kind of frame it because that way, I, and I struggle because I know a, a big saying at tables sometimes is I want people to be able to do their thing. I want the deck to do the thing. But sometimes the thing isn't terribly interactive or leads to good interactions
0: (laughs) this yes no this is huge matt keep keep going i'm sorry to interrupt you but there is a distinction here that is important to make for sure
1: yeah yeah because because i mean there are stacks decks that if they do the thing nobody else does the thing and so (laughs) right when when you say i want the deck to i want everybody to be able to sit down and do what their deck was designed to do so I, i feel like that verbiage maybe could be improved on a little bit and just everybody feel like they contributed to the outcome of the group experience some something like that making sure that people know that their participation in the game changed the course of events at some point. I think that's a good way to to, to frame the mindset because yeah. sometimes if if my deck does a thing, Joy doesn't even get to untap his lands. Like that—that's just something that, that sometimes happens in games. So making sure people feel like they had some sort of of ownership, I would even say, of that game experience. Mm. That's one thing I have tried to model my own decks around. I don't—I don't like stopping people from doing things. I like punishing them for doing it or rewarding myself for that. I, one of my most recent decks that I just built is Council of the Four, where I'm not doing anything but i'm benefiting from you doing the thing. and so maybe i i punish you or get my own rewards for the things that you do, but i'm not stopping you from doing anything. that's that's kind of my biggest distinction with that with
0: this experience. If, if i can also real quick about your council of four deck like that is a commander i never would have given the time of day but holy no. crap your council of four deck is so flipping good the fact that it counts the stuff that you are also doing if you draw multiple cards or if you yourself play multiple spells to make all those advantages like i never would have given this commander the time of day but like that is a rad thing and you're right it is largely dependent about upon what everyone else is up to but you're still a little bit in control of that which also just feels great so just like a so real quick before i go on i just want to compliment your council deck because i loved to see you play it that was cool. I learned things. It was goofy. I loved it.
1: Well, well, thank you. That, that was a fun deck to build, and it's it was a very rough draft because it was half of a another deck that I was trying to build, and half of stuff that I kind of had laying around, <laughs> and the third half of it, which I know doesn't exist, but also still was stuff that I opened in Balder's in Balder's Gate packs. So it was a really fun deck to play around in with. And and I'm not stopping anybody from doing things, but the more that my opponents do, the more I get to do because it benefits. So like whenever somebody plays their second spell on their turn, I get to make a knight. And whenever somebody draws their second card on their turn, I get to draw a card. So it behooves me not to stop people (laughs) from doing things because I'm just going to get as much benefit as they do.
0: Yeah. Total uh, tangent on that. I just really liked the brew because I I just never would have expected that commander to be so good. But also three halves? What are you? That was three? That's that's, that's new math. That's why I didn't do none good in algebra. (laughs) None good enough, but there you go. There you go. Um, But no, to to go off of a point that you had mentioned, like, you know, a classic example here of one person being able to do the thing, but that restricts everyone else from doing the thing would be stacks or a discard deck or uh, some type of automatic combo or other type of lockdown, those types of things. And so, yeah, if one person doing the thing means that no one else gets to do the thing, that is scary, and I will be attacking that player if I sense that that is what they're up to because I want to stop you. But I don't... like. Those are classic examples, and they're easy-to-grab examples, but those are not the only examples. If you're about to bust out an impenetrable pillow fort, and all of your stuff is indestructible and hexproof, and we can't attack you, or if you're about to ult some planeswalkers, or if you're preparing your graveyard for, like, a mass reanimation effect, or if you're about to make 20 treasures, or any of the above, like, I will be actively trying to dismantle you from doing those things, too, because if you pull those off, that spells bad news for me and everyone else at the table. So, and for the record, I am frequently trying to do those very same things myself. And when someone else stops me and obliterates my entire plan, I know that I deserve it. <laughs> like, that is the thing. I deserve to have my enormous graveyard exiled because Rise of the Dark Realms will win me that game. So you shouldn't let me do that thing, which is a good good point to make.
2: I think it's the difference between stopping someone when they attempt to do the thing and stopping them from attempting in the first place
0: from having the chance. And that's exactly it.
2: Yeah. I'm going to keep you from executing on this plan is what I aim to do versus keeping you from being able to even start playing at all. And again, we're not, we're not like, like, if you, that's something you enjoy, if you like fighting through a stacks lock, if your playgroup enjoys that, no criticism of that. That's a great play, whatever way you enjoy. We're just talking about like what we personally enjoy. Mm-hmm. And for myself, after you know, I play commander on a Tuesday night at the end of a workday, after spending a work day dealing with the business equivalent of stacks locks all day long, <laughs> it's not what I want to do when I go play commander for the most part. But, like, some people, that is something they want to do. They, they want to, like, try to unravel that knot. So, you know, it, it's all about what you find fun. And generally speaking, it's not the, the, the fight I want to have when I'm playing commander. But, like, if that's what you enjoy, do it up.
1: Well, yeah, and there there's definitely different levels of, of agency that players want to, to feel in those games. And mm-hmm. I've definitely seen and been a part of a high group or high power play groups, I should say, where we wanted agency for a split second. And if we weren't able to answer this one thing, then likely the game was over like that. I've definitely been in games like that. Mm. And I just over the course of my career playing Magic, I've shifted away from that. I, I've got into, I want a little more agency. I want more moments to interact with these things because, you know, a, a turn two or three winter orb that just kind of leads to a long drawn out game. And, and for me, I would rather have three fun games, three quick games and knock those out and have three separate experiences than that one long trying to solve that one single puzzle over the course of an hour. Plus that's very different goals. Everybody's been in, in different stages. And and so if that is the type of puzzle you like solving having like-minded players to to solve those puzzles together that's the the best thing and if that's what the play group wants if you all enjoy like if you have somebody that wants to become an escape room and you all team up to beat them then I mean, that's <laughs> that's great and that's something that if you find those play groups that's so great because sometimes that can be a little hard with the the greater commander population at large
0: yeah I think the common phrase uh that I start with is I want a game where everyone gets to do the thing, but I might even amend that really to be like everyone has a chance to do the thing. Matt, I really like the way that you described it.
2: Well, do, do you know what my favorite puzzle to solve is? Challenge the stats.
0: Goodness gracious, Dana, are you beating me at my own segues? How dare you!
2: <laughs> That's I, I had a week. I had a week I, off. It, so <laughs>
1: if you can see my face right now, I am so disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs>
0: Sorry, dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, real quick, actually, as a heads up before we move into Challenge the Stats, uh, we wanted to let everyone know that at the time this episode airs on Friday, our friends Alias V and Olivia Gobert-Hicks are doing an amazing all day charity stream for the NAF on twitch.tv aliasv and twitch.tv slash affinity artifacts. There are prizes from tons upon tons upon tons of community members, and donations will give you a chance to win boxes, secret layers, original magic art. They're even giving away a foil Gaia's cradle. Like amazing. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's it's great to see Eileen and Olivia spearhead this. And it's even more amazing to see the outpouring of support they've received from the entire community. The prof from Tolerian Community College, Rachel Weeks, and the entire rules committee, um, the famous magic pros like Brian Kibler, Brad Nelson, Eric Frowick, and just tons of content creators are all contributing prizes for these giveaways. And we should also mention EDHREC is matching donations up to $5,000. So yes. we're trying to do our best here to contribute to this cause as well. EDHREC is made by a community for a community. So when mm-hmm. the community rallies together for a thing like this, it's just heartwarming. And it's an honor for us to be able to help at least a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yes. Good people. Great cause. Amazing prizes. So again, check them out at twitch.tv slash aliasv and twitch.tv slash affinity artifacts. And hey, uh, actually, you know what? One last announcement here real quick. The following day on Saturday the 2nd, you can also check out the Loading Ready Run pre-pre-release for Double Masters featuring yours truly. I I was invited to the pre-pre-release and I am so excited to hang out with the Loading Ready Run crew as well as my fellow guests, Talia Bess and Cedric Phillips. It's it's just going to be such a great time. So yeah, if you are listening at the time that this episode airs, I hope you enjoy just an absolutely jam-packed weekend. Okay, now I think we're ready for challenge the stats, because Dana, you are totally right. There is so much data on EDHREC, but sometimes I think that cards see too much or too little play. And you know what, Dana, since you are uh, beating me at the segues today, how about <laughs> you start us off this week?
2: I will uh, be challenging the stats on a card that has been printed one time, way back in Mercadian Masks, of course. It's an enchantment for three and a green snake pit. Hmm. And it says... Whenever an opponent plays a blue or black spell, you may put a 1-1 green snake creature token into play. Oh, no. I saw this card hit the field at Command Fest Vegas in a deck, and it probably made 20 to 30 snakes before somebody finally was able to blow it up. It was insane. And of course, there was a skull clamp out, so it was disgusting. (laughs) It was too late by the time we were able to remove it anyway. The damage had been done. It's disgustingly effective. Um, And we just got a couple of commanders in the most recent set. Um, Things like Kadira, Caller of the Small, that cares about tokens. We got Joey's buddy, Baba Lasagna. Lasagna. Baby Lasagna, thank you very much. Yeah, sorry, sorry. (laughs) That cares about sacrificing permanence. Um, There's just always things that care about tokens and Snake Pit makes a lot of them without requiring you to do anything at all, but sit there, and if your opponents want to play around it, well, that's a win, too. It's only in about a 1,000 decks in EDH Rec, probably because people just don't know it exists because it hasn't been printed in, you know, 18 years. So if you are playing a green token deck, Snake Pit is ridiculously effective, and you should take a look at it.
1: Yeah, Dana, I, I love this challenge. Sometimes finding these cards that reward and or punish for a certain color, especially if it's green, a soul tie colors really bl- green, blue or black. Uh, I know Gavin Verhey a long, long time ago when he came on the podcast mentioned the card Reap as being a, an amazing <laughs> way to get a bunch of cards back from your graveyard. Just anything that rewards you for people playing black or
0: blue or green. Yeah, probably worth a, a glance in your decks. Dana, I really like that, but I also really don't like that because I play a lot of blue and a lot of black. So um, if you play this against me, you'll be making a lot of snake tokens, and that scares me just a little bit.
2: Fair. Everyone likes snakes, Joey.
0: (laughs) I don't know that that's true, but... (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with it. Uh, Yeah, we'll move on to my challenge now. And I have a funky challenge here for the Commander Lier, Disciple of the Drowned, which is from that Midnight Hunt set. It is the five minute three four human wizard that says spells can't be countered, and it gives all of your instants and sorceries from your graveyard a flashback. Now, that little line of text right there, spells can't be countered, is a really clever line of text to put onto this commander. Because if you could flash back a bunch of counterspells, that would be like really controlling and probably wouldn't be the best time for everyone else at the table. But it doesn't mean that you should play zero counterspells in this deck. Specifically, there's one called Arcane Denial that says counter-target spell. Its controller may draw up to two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep, and you also draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. And, you know... Arcane Denial isn't showing up on Lear's page at all, but I really think it should, because you can use Arcane Denial on your own spells. You play like a little opt or something, some one-mana cantrip, then use Arcane Denial trying to counter your own spell, but it can't be countered, and then you have just given yourself a two-mana way to draw three cards on the next turn's upkeep, and you can flash back your own Arcane Denial to do it again on another turn. This is just a two-mana draw three cards when your commander says spells can't be countered, and that, I think, deserves to show up on Lier's page a little bit, actually, because that's kind of awesome. The spell being countered has nothing to do with whether you're going to draw those cards. It's not like Arcane Denial Fizzles or anything. So, yeah, if you want to draw three cards for two-mana in a Lier deck, this sounds really, really fun to me, and I would kind of love to see more of it. Anything that makes a non-modular card modular is always interesting. There you go. Yeah. Okay, Matt, let's round it up with you. What's your challenge,
1: man? So my challenge this week actually comes from a listener who sent us an email, and this comes from Jacob Leshen who had a challenge, which I thought was pretty interesting, for Myram Sentinel Worm decks. So Jake says that they wanted to challenge the stats on some clone effects that are in these this Myram deck that are showing up, specifically Glasspool Mimic. So... They point out that the deck is already running Spark Double, which is a great include, which I definitely agree. I, When I looked at this challenge and saw Spark Double, it is absolutely fantastic. But any other clone creature will work, as Jacob notes. And Jacob points out that these clone effects combine quite well with Myram's ability. So anybody who hasn't seen any of these cards yet because uh, Myram did come out in Baldur's Gate not too long ago. Uh, Myram is the Teemer legendary dragon that has flying in Ward 2, but the interesting ability here is that whenever another non-token dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you create a token that's a copy of it, except the token isn't legendary if the dragon is legendary. So right off the bat, you're able to make a lot of tokens here, because there happen to be just a lot of very powerful legendary dragons, but also, when you're playing Glasspool Mimic or Spark Double or any of these clone effects, you're able to copy then the non-legendary tokens that are already around, oh. which is just a, an extremely powerful synergy. But also, I mean, Jacob, you point out that Spark Double is already being played in a little bit. I think Spark Double itself probably needs to get pumped up also because... With Spark Double, you can just copy Myrim and then start cranking out (laughs) two of these non-legendary tokens, which just gets even more out of hand because Spark Double's ability actually is able to then copy a creature, except it's not legendary. So I like this. I like having these clone effects in Myrim decks because you're able to clone non-legendary tokens of otherwise legendary creatures. This is just fantastic. And and, in... this actually speaks to the popularity of Myram. Jacob, when you emailed us, you mentioned there are only 1,300 Myram decks. Well, currently, there's over 2,000 Myram decks. So <laughs> this is a very, very popular commander. People are picking up a little bit on these clone effects. But goodness, people, uh, I I really want to shout out to Jacob here because, yeah, Spark Double, Glass Pool, Mimic, uh, maybe in Sakashima, the new one that he has partner, um, put it in the 99. It's still going to be great. So, Yes. This is a really good catch with what Myram is doing. Good call, Jacob, and uh, thank you for the email as well.
0: Goodness gracious, it already has 2,000 decks. We got that email five days ago. That is a lot of decks to be built in just five days. It's gone from 1,300 to over 2,000 in that short amount of time. That's, That's a lot of decks in not a lot of days. That's incredible. I mean, at this point, you could just make that uh, teamer dragon thing. You could just play it all clones, and they're just constantly copying your commander over and over again, just infinite copies of this commander. This thing's spicy. I totally see why it's popular. Sweet deal, fellas. Uh, so now I guess we'll kind of get back into talking about the stuff that we want out of a game of EDH. And there's actually another point here that I really want to throw out. And it's a difficult journey that I've been on with regards to some of my own decks, actually. But specifically, this is a thing that I want, or I guess a thing that I I, I don't want, to so they kind of go hand in hand. But I don't want one person to get knocked out of the game really early, and then they sit around doing nothing for half an hour. Like, what I want is hopefully that everyone... The game closes around for everyone at roughly the same amount of time, hopefully, and this is a little bit difficult because there are some strategies that I really enjoy playing that actually do encourage a knock-one-person-out kind of strategy, Um, like my Graven deck, for example, that one wins with commander damage, or even my Mimeoplasm deck also tends to win with commander damage, and there are plenty of other Voltrons out there, like uh, Bruna or Ural, the Mistalker, or a whole bunch of things like that. And they can knock one person out pretty early, but then maybe the game might last 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, half an hour longer. And I do feel bad for the person who got knocked out early. So there are strategies I really like, but I am sometimes in contention with even as I play them because I want to make sure that everyone gets to have a similar amount of game time experience too.
1: Well, I used to have... A Rafik of the Many deck, and that's exactly how the deck functioned. You got to beat up on one person really hard, <laughs> but then more than likely, you got your you know your Rafik got removed. Something happened. You you got set back, and so there's one person that you you killed on turn five, but the game goes on ten more turns because right. everybody else is kind of navigating everything. So yeah, I I definitely get not liking that experience because it does leave one person kind of sitting out. Uh, okay, well, I, I wanted to play a game with everybody. Uh, I got beat up and now I get to watch. That's not really the best play experience. So I, I've been there. Kind of a, a thing that I like doing. It's not all, obviously, it's not always attainable, but if you can eliminate the table all at once, not only is it a, just a fun achievement unlocked type of moment, but also it leads to everyone being able to kind of navigate that entire game together and leads to in my opinion, a better shared experience
0: as well. Well, but here's the clashing demand with that. This is what makes it so tricky, is that not everyone at the table likes being comboed out, for example, all at the same time either. When the game just ends seemingly from out of nowhere, that's also not an experience that we like, even if the game does end at the same time for everyone. Sure. So, like that is what makes this difficult to navigate. I don't want one person to sit out for too long, but I also don't want the game to come to an unexpected closure, which something like a combo might have the chance of, of doing, for example. So for me, the way that I've found a way hopefully to navigate both of those uh, conflicting demands or conflicting desires is that effectively, I just want to make sure that my opponents walk away excited to have me back at the table. Like this is a game. It's a game. We, when we sat down at this table, we could have played literally anything. We could have played any board game. There are tons of cool board games out there. And those board games are constructed in a way to make sure that everyone has a similar type of experience and that they have the same opportunities. But here in this game, we have each brought our own set of pieces to the table. So we are taking part in setting the stage for what that game will look like. And I want to walk away from that game glad that I played Commander instead of any other game and glad that I played with those people. I totally agree.
1: Well, I'm going to steal a point, actually, and build off of yours, Joey. Uh, so I used to work at a theme park, actually. And oh. the, the kind of the motto of the the company was making memories worth repeating. And I Aww. actually kind of love that slogan. Uh, and it just it kind of directed everybody to make sure that, you know, there, there's obviously good memories and bad memories. And making sure that not only is it a good memory, but it's a memory you want to do again. You want to repeat that. And so having that experience of... People leaving the table and thinking, man, that Matt Morgan guy, his jokes <laughs> need a little bit of work, but I really just enjoyed he was friendly. He was he was nice. We had fun. I would like to play a game with them again. That's something that I think just my my personal attitude is kind of guided how my decks g- get built and how I play in game, because, yes, you're absolutely right. S- knocking one person out early is. Isn't always the most fun thing to do, but I, I mean, there's obviously been games where Dana was getting out of hand, and we just had to knock him down a couple of pegs. That's happened. <laughs> that happens in, in many games too. <laughs> but also making sure that the way that it was done was something that okay, that makes sense. I that was fun. Let's let's do that again. Um, having that as the the takeaway for all the people in that pod, to me, that's probably the most valuable, f- just single point. I would I would say is just that that after the game feeling of. I would play that game again. I would play with those people again. I would play with those commanders again. Whatever it is, it's something that you you would want to repeat over again.
2: Love well, it, that. And the reality is it does require a little bit of work or at least a, a little bit of intentionality on your part. Um, and, and I think that's maybe not a bad thing if you are playing your game and you have to actually kind of pay attention to whether or not everyone else is enjoying themselves and having a good time and how they feel about what's going on. Um, that's, that's, I think something that people tend to do in real life. You kind of want to pay attention and see if like everyone's enjoying the conversation that you're having. (laughs) Um, there's no reason you don't extend the same courtesy to commander as well. And like, try to be a little bit observational and see if everyone else is on the same page. Um, but it it does require you to actually do that. Like you're not always going to just automatically know whether or not that everyone is on the same page. So like, just pay a little bit of attention, I think. And the, the, the signs are usually there. Yes. You're going to occasionally run into people that like everyone is just so at odds with what they want that you're just not going to make them happy. You're going to encounter people that are just like cranky and, 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 you know, they, they don't like anything you're going to do that. That's going to happen as well. But like for the most part, as long as you are, paying a little bit of attention about what's happening in the game you can tell i think whether or not everyone's on the same page i think you just have to actually force yourself to do that
0: i i think there are for some reason as you're talking like your jury master of the review deck comes to mind because dana i've seen you make I want to say over like 160 treasures in a single turn with that deck and your jury deck is amazing with those treasure tokens because sacrificing permanence pumps up your commander to exponential heights and then you're like making even more tokens and you're pairing that with other effects like uh, you you can do things with like agent of the blood throne or agent of the iron throne i think it's called mm-hmm. which also like causes even more people to lose life whenever your artifacts get sacrificed and like if i hear that you're playing a treasure deck that might bring certain images to my mind or i'm just like oh man treasures i've seen so many of those but also when i play against your jury deck i'm like oh my goodness look how many treasures dana has made like and there's an exciting piece to that too like a lot of this like just giving me the base facts of like oh this is a deck that makes a whole bunch of treasures that actually doesn't tell me a whole lot there's a lot of baggage that i bring into that experience too that i am deciding am i having a good time with you th- at this point because there actually might be some mental recalibration that i can do to be excited for you when your deck pops off and is absolutely disgusting the way that it can totally be
2: yeah sure because we're right that's a good really good point because if you just say i'm, I'm playing a treasure deck that can conjure images of someone just taking really long turns, making treasures with really no plan beyond having a bunch of mana, <laughs> um, which maybe isn't the best time necessarily. So, sure, that's that's an example of where I'm probably well suited to explain what the deck is going to be doing with all those treasures, versus me just being some kind of a um, dragon hoarding wealth <laughs> the entire game, <laughs> basically.
0: Or, or I've had a game where I recurred a great Merchant of Asphodel six times in a single turn. Like that, that wins the game right there. That's wonderful. And to me, I consider it an achievement unlocked, but it mattered a whole lot to me whether my opponents also were kind of interested to see whether like that could happen. Can't like, wait, can you do it? Can you do it? Sure. And that's the thing is like in, in one manner, in one respect, looping that creature six times in a single turn might sound like oh goodness really but then it also might sound oh man awesome and there's a lot of uh, personal baggage that we have to observe ourselves about whether or not we are going to have a good time with those types of experiences that is uh, a a, a matter that we have to look within ourselves and really examine critically Uh, really I think what all of that kind of does is circle back to exactly the same point that you had just mentioned Matt about wanting to create memories that you want to repeat And, and that is a huge thing for me too like I'm playing this game because I want to create fun memories with people um, and we've created a story to share and there are these things that have happened in commander that absolutely stick with me like Dana making 160 treasures or like me looping the same creature a whole bunch of times or the time that I played against Brian Kibler and he got like a dozen dragons into play on turn five but then I cast a mob rule to steal them all back from him so that I then attacked for over 160 damage instead of him being able to or making five copies of a Bloom Angel so that any single land that I tapped, since I have five Nixblum mansions all tripling up mana production, any single land that I tapped would tap for 243 mana instead of just one. Like, those are the memories. Those are the things we want to create. I want an experience.
1: That's one thing that I do love about being able to play over at twitch.tv slash <laughs> every Wednesday evening is the fact that we always get to interact with so many different people, whether it's, it's folks in the community with, or it's listeners, all sorts of different folks that we've gotten to interact with. Like, I couldn't tell you who won games whenever the One More Mana crew come on. They are just <laughs> absolutely some of the most fun and just engaging people I've ever gotten to play with. And Sed and Ken and Derek and everyone else over there. I, I couldn't tell you who won those games, but I can tell you I've never left a game not thinking that was so much fun. Or or when we all got together, the first time that we all met as a podcast at GP Kansas City years ago, we played with a, a listener, Josh Whoop who had a Varchild Raiders deck, yes. and it was so funny. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you who won those games. But I can tell you and and I still remember vividly how fun it was with Josh and his wife and just laughing the entire game. It was such a fun. And and those are the types of games that stick with you. So the ones that for whatever reason, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember who won, but I do remember the fun that we had. And that's the important Mm -hmm. thing that I just I want to remember those types of things and the people that we get to meet. That's. That, I, I know it sounds super cheesy and super corny, but Father's Day wasn't too long ago, so I'm going to get fatherly and just say, like, <laughs> those are the memories that I, I probably cherish the most.
0: Yeah, you don't care who wins. You care who had a good time.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right before COVID hit, the, the last event I had gone to was a Command Fest in Chicago. And, like, as time passes, I, you know, remember less and less specifics of that because we're looking at – you know closing in on three years ago now Mm. however i remember the the one person who had a horror tribal deck because this is you know we've gotten horrors in the last few years but at the time there was like you know 22 or 24 or something horrors in the game and he was having to run almost all of them in this deck to have enough bodies it was such a bizarre thing to have seen (laughs) someone decide to choose that for their tribal deck And every time we get something new now and I see that the creature type is horror, I think back to that guy's deck and think like, oh, that's another toy for that cool deck. I don't think about very many other specific decks I played against at, at that event, but that one really stuck out to me because it was somebody who was doing like that creative expression. They were finding a way to make their own unique thing. And I remember it three years later, that one specific deck. So like that's. That's that's kind of that the, the the dragon I'm chasing every time is is <laughs> is those moments where you just remember that that person who showed you that special thing that they built. Well, and and I've
0: noticed that you have that tendency. That's a thing that, in your own brewing, Dana, that you tend to reach for as much as possible is a very strict theme that you might not see everywhere. And that's finally a thing that I am embracing myself now, too. I finally built my commander commander deck, where every single card in the deck must refer to a commander. So I'm using a bunch of backgrounds, or I'm using like the will cycle, the commander storm cards. I'm using the familiars and the lieutenants. Every single card in the deck must refer to a commander. And it's very meta and it's very funny. And I've not seen anything like it before. I'm not saying I originally came up with the idea. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have done a commander commander deck out there. But this is a thing that I'm finally, like, I built a thing that I hope people will remember. And that is really fun to play with because it could be a memory and that sounds like a great thing to be able to participate in creating for folks the memories are the whole point like dana do you remember that time that we played against radical mari on stream and you had gotten that gideon out with that zero emblem ability so that you couldn't die Mm -hmm. uh, as long as that gideon was in play And you were at zero life for a while, but you had that Gideon emblem and you controlled the Gideon planeswalker. So you couldn't die. And then Mari top decked a death grasp, which had been errata to be able to deal damage to not just players, but also planeswalkers. So it was like a situation of getting errata for the win. Yeah. Like (laughs) like, that's amazing. Errata won the game. That's so
2: cool. That is rad. I'll never forget that. That was so neat. It, It was a moment that was created that will always stick with us for sure.
0: Yeah, or at the time that Shivam attacked me for over twenty five thousand damage, you can check out Elder Dragon Hijinks if you want to see all of that unfold. Ah, there's so much great stuff. And you know what? Actually, I think you guys—the uh, memory that'll stick with me most—is when my mom held up four counter spells on my turn when I tried to cast a, a late game Skullstorm, and she countered four <laughs> copies of Skullstorm on the stack. That's a memory that will also stay with me probably forever.
1: I mean, I think that you just shouldn't have burnt the casserole that one Christmas, and uh, <laughs> she might have been nicer to you. So that's 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 on you, Joy. That's all no, on you.
0: It, it comes full circle. It's definitely a situation where, yeah, I deserved it, but dang it, we all had a really good time with it. Uh, I I really like the subject. I'm glad that we all have found this. Uh, alignment and interests with each other that we're all here to cultivate cool experiences for ourselves and for each other so matt thank you so much for being part of cool commander experiences with me
1: you too joey i mean it's at the risk of getting corny again i i really have enjoyed just kind of getting to cultivate these experiences just through the
0: podcast with with the both of you and yeah. yeah and and hey dana by the way i didn't mean to leave you out i also want to say thank you so much for uh, cultivating these awesome experiences in commander with us as well so
2: well you're welcome and um that's the kind of thanks you get when you don't burn the casserole Fair enough,
0: I suppose. Really what I'm trying to do right now is just uh, butter you guys up so that the next time that I do ah, try to cast that butter. rise of the Dark Realms. Mm. <laughs> butter. We're bringing it full circle with the dead joke. Was, Joey,
1: that, that was so
0: smooth. <laughs> ah, Okay. With that, we do need to call this episode to a close. And listeners, we would love to hear from you about the stuff that you are seeking from Commander Games as well. Let us know in the comments. Reach out to us on socials. We'd love to hear from you. And fellas, where is it that folks can find us all? Matt? So, you can find me on the Twitters
1: at Mathemus55. That's M A T H I M U S 5 5. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash E D H Retcast. We have guests on every single week, and it's always a super fun time. We have some memories that are definitely worth repeating. <laughs> so, make sure you tune in every Wednesday
0: evening for that. And Dana,
2: you can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach. You can hear me on on my other podcast, CMDR Central. I am writing sporadically for EDHREC and Commander's Herald. (laughs) And you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDHRECcast.
0: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter and you can find the cast at EDH Recast on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, if you have a question for us, you can contact us at edhreccast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Chase for assisting me with the post-production of the show. You can find them online at Mana Curves. And we want to thank our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. Plus, you can visit altersleeves.com slash edhreccast for cool custom EDH Rec sleeves. Listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.